0: Jeremy and Melissa Settle are here with us this morning. They're going to share their hearts about what God is doing in them and through them. Jeremy's, if the name Settle sounds familiar, his parents pastor in Alliance, Nebraska. His his dad is currently the presbyter of this little section, what I was doing. He followed me in that and cleaned up the mess that I made. Um, but uh, So I'm just excited to hear, Jeremy and Melissa, what you have for us this morning so you guys can come on up.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, Like Pastor said, I'm Melissa. This is Jeremy Settle. Our three kids are pictured there, but they're also sitting right over there, and hopefully they're going to stay in their seats. Um, Probably not. They are awesome, and grandparents have just been eating up the time with them. Um, It's been three years since our parents got to see our kids, so it's been a really special summer. Um, Currently, we are missionary associates to Japan. Uh, we just got done with three years in Okinawa, Japan. And before that, we were in Africa for two and a half years. Uh, and we saw God do amazing things in Africa, and we saw Him do amazing things in Okinawa. Um, but while we were in Okinawa, we were primarily serving and working with a U.S. military church and a Japanese ministry.
2: It was a joy to be here with you guys this morning. Thank you so much for having us. And Sunday school was wonderful. Um, this morning, Melissa and I are going to share a little bit about our story um, later on. But right now, just we share a similar story. We both grew up in church and walked away from the Lord. We turned our backs on Him and walked away for, for a while. And got made a mess of things, as I like to say, as we do when we kind of pursue our own paths. But God did something that I didn't really expect. He pursued us. When we were far off, when I was far off, God pursued us. He pursued me. And he didn't just let me be. He kept on coming after me. And something happened. I shared my testimony this morning, but in short, God transformed my life. He transformed my heart. And I, when that happened, I had this incredible passion to do that same thing that he'd done for us, which is to go after those who are far from him. For me, it meant answering the call in my life. To be a missionary, which, you know, it's funny. I talked about this morning that the first seed was planted for me in a, in a private school chapel. But it was also prophesied to me in kids camp three separate times in three separate states. So I love hearing the testimonies about kids camp. It matters. I'm so glad you guys send your kids and I hope they have a blast. And I hope that the things that are planted in their hearts stay in their hearts and grow like they did in ours. God called us to go overseas to the unreached, to the people of Japan. The Japanese people are the second largest unreached people group in the whole world. I said earlier, there's about 120, 627 million people in Japan who have no idea who Jesus is. They are born, they go to school, they live their lives, they get married and they die. Never once having heard about what Christ did for them on the cross. You've probably heard this term unreached before, and, but if not, the, the way I like to explain it is through the lens of hope. In America, we hear about Jesus, but in Japan, they can live their whole lives never having the hope of hearing about him. How would your life be different if nobody had ever told you about Jesus? Jesus. You know, I know for me, when I was walking away, I knew my mom was praying me in. I knew it and my grandma's, you know, and, and we my mom was kind about it, but she's still slipping little marks here and there. You just let me know, you know, you may be walking away, but we Jesus is coming for you, you know, but people in Japan, they don't have that. They don't have that hope and we want to bring that hope of Jesus to Japan, that is our heart. Our heart is to work with the Japanese church. We're going to go this next term to learn the language in in the in language school. We're going to be working with the Japanese church, and our heart is really to reach the unreached, to reach the unchurched in Japan. So first, of all we want to thank you so much for having us this morning. It's a joy to be here. We love the the worship, we love the the joy, and just the laid back nature, the the, the liveliness of the kids in this church, um, and it's a pleasure to be here. So thank you so much. Um, If you want to catch us after the service, we'll be at our table. I just encourage you to fill out one of those connection forms, and you can get our updates. We send those updates out so you can hear about what's going on overseas. And also, if you want to commit to pray for Japan, please let us know. We have a prayer book that we can put in your hands that will help you have a better idea of what to pray for. So please just let us know after the service. We'd love to do that. So... We've shared a little bit about Japan and what we're going to do, but today during the message, we really want to focus on what God's done in our life up to this point, and some things about we've learned about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if you're around me for any period of time, you realize that's a phrase I like to use, um, because I grew up in the box of being a Christian. I was a pastor's kid, and my parents were wonderful people, and their church was lively and it was full of joy, but. That's not what stuck with me. What stuck with me was the box of being a Christian. You know, being a Christian kind of sounds like it's a membership to a club, right? Whether you're a, a Cornhusker, I guess this far west, you guys are probably more um, what is it, the Denver Donkeys. What is it? <laughs> or maybe maybe like CrossFit, like there's CrossFitters, right? They're, they're part of a club. Well, how do you know sometimes, at least to me growing up, maybe you... Teenagers can understand this. Um, Christianity felt like a weird club to be part of. Um, I'll explain it this way. Um, The church we grew up in was full of life and joy. But sometimes there was these awkward experiences I would have. And I would come to church on a Sunday morning because I was the pastor's kid and I did sound. I'll holler to you sound people. We love you. Thank you so much for doing what you do. Um, But I was at pre-service prayer. And it was a group full of prayer warriors. They were 50 to 60, 70 years old, gray hair, and they were getting after it. And, and I was a sophomore in high school, so I was just standing, standing there, you know, kind of cool as a cucumber. Got my image to uphold. And they were like praying, and their whole bodies would shake and sway. And th- then it was kind of weird because it was almost like it was choreographed, where they would all like kind of go down just like this. Well, like I said, I was a high schooler, so I wasn't about to do that. Um, But they didn't give me a choice. They grabbed my hand and they they pulled me down. And they had a grip. Like, you'd be surprised. Well, it's funny now, but back in the moment, I was like, that was awkward. That was weird. I don't know what to think about that. You know, it wasn't always these big experiences. Sometimes it was the music we listened to or the way we dressed or the way we talked. But I had this box about what it meant to be a Christian. When I walked away from the Lord... That's what I felt like I was walking away from, but like I said earlier, Jesus pursued me, and and He blew up my idea of what it meant to be a Christian, because I, I got rid of the box and I met the person of Jesus. I met the person of Jesus Christ, and I didn't want to be a Christian so much, but I sure wanted to go to heaven. But did I want to follow this person, Jesus? Yes, and it completely transformed my paradigm for what it was like to be a follower of Jesus. It wasn't about this list of rules. It was about this relationship.
1: So I wasn't a pastor's kid, but we did go to church every single Sunday and youth group every week. Um, and I lived in the same house for 17 years. He moved around a lot. I lived in the same house. I had the same friends growing up, and we only went to two different churches in my 17 years. Uh, and my friends in youth group always pulled me along. It was really exciting to be part of youth group. Uh, but my personal relationship with Jesus always felt kind of fake. Um, so when we moved down to Iowa, uh, my junior year in high school, it was really easy for me to walk away because I didn't have my friends pulling me along with them anymore. Um, and so I decided I was going to do my own thing, make a lot of bad choices and do what I wanted to do. Uh, but God worked through my brother... Nick to bring me back into a relationship with him. Uh, my brother would unashamedly pester me every single day about his new church and telling me I needed to come with him, and I did not want to. Uh, he attended a college and career age group that he really, really loved, and he would not leave me alone about it. And one of those times, we were driving to Lincoln because we were going to meet up with some friends and go dancing, and he it came up again. He was talking about church, and I was so upset and mad and sick of him bothering me about it that I just unloaded all of my junk, all of my years of bad choices and everything on him, thinking that finally he was going to see it was not worth it to keep talking and bugging me about it. Um, But instead, he surprised me. I looked over at him, and he was just sobbing. Um, My brother doesn't cry. And then he started praying for me, and that made me start crying. Um, And... So at the end of that, I was like, okay, if you're crying about this for me, then you're obviously still care about me. And so, okay, I will come with you one time, but you have to promise not to bother me about it ever again. And he agreed, which I should have figured out something about that. Um, So the next time service rolled around, it was a Tuesday night, and I kept my promise and I went with him and I sat at my table quietly. I didn't really talk to anyone. I was just waiting for it to start and be done so I could leave. And the first worship song started and I was completely wrecked. Uh, I sat along the wall and I cried uncontrollably for the entire service. I don't remember the songs. I don't remember what pastor was talking about. The only thing I remembered feeling was that God still loved me. Um, In spite of everything that I had done and all the choices I made, he still loved me and he told me things were going to change.
2: And they did. I don't know if you noticed. (laughs) So this morning, um, the message we want to talk about is simply titled, Following Jesus Is. And it's not an exhaustive list. um, And it's simple. But I want you to catch it because these are the things that if we could boil it down, we really say this is what some things we've learned what it really means to follow Jesus. So if you have your Bible with you, or if you have a phone because you forgot your Bible, um, we're in John 14 23. 1423. That's where we're gonna start. I'm gonna jump around a bit. Um, John fourteen twenty three. So the first one this morning we want to start out with is following Jesus is about a relationship Rather than rules, following Jesus is about a relationship, rather than rules. You see, Jesus is a person. He's He's God. He's the Son of God. He's fully man, fully God. He's still alive today, and it's about this relationship we have with Him. this I had this stark contrast from our time in Africa. We were in a Muslim, a country that was fully Muslim. And Islam, we learned, is all about religious rules. They have a very specific way for everything that you do, whether it's brushing your teeth, getting up in the morning, whether it's the way you wash, whether it's going to pray five times a day, the way you dress. They have a very specific set of rules that you have to follow to be a Muslim. And if you don't follow these rules well enough, you're not in the club. If you're not in the box, you're outside of the box. But we, Christianity is not like that. We are united by our center. We are united by Jesus Christ. We have this relationship with him. And he, the Bible says he washes us clean of our sins and he walks with us out of that mess. That's what happened to me. You know, when Jesus was gathering his disciples, I, I, have you guys seen the show The Chosen? Anybody seen The Chosen? If you haven't seen the show, let me recommend it to you. Best thing I've ever seen on television. I really love it. And one of the things that hits me is, it's so simple. He walks up to Peter. He walks up to his disciples. And what does he say? Two words, follow me. That's right. He said, follow me. He said, come with me. He invited them to join him on this three-year-long road trip. We we do a lot of road trips. I think we've done about 15,000 miles in a little over three months. Um, But three years is kind of a commitment. You'll know, be leaving behind your family and everything and choosing to follow this guy. Not sure who he is, maybe. But in those three years, they built this incredible relationship with Jesus. And they learned from him, and I, and I believe they really came to love him deeply. And we come to John 14, and it's the end of this three year long trip together. And you've got to think of the, the depth of relationship camaraderie he had, and he knew he was about to go to the cross. It's. In this passage, he just finished washing the disciples' feet. They had the, the Last Supper. And then he gets, goes this three or four-chapter-long dialogue. And these are the last things that he wants to say to his disciples. And then he says this in John fourteen twenty three. He says, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, I'm going to reread just the first part of that, and that's the part I want to focus on. It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now, I was reading this because I love this this passage, and I, I kept seeing this. He says it in different ways. I'm like, I just went to count how many times he says it. He says it five times in the space of maybe two chapters, five times. And he says it in different ways. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Well, I remember one of the first times I was reading it, I was thinking, well... That means we have to obey the list of commands, and then there will be a follower of Jesus, right? Then, then it shows that we love Jesus, right? But where is the emphasis there? What I just said. The emphasis is on if we obey, right? It's, if it's on our action. We have to do this, this list of rules. But that's not the emphasis in the passage. The passage is, if you love me, then you will obey my commands. It's a natural outflow. It's an outflow of a relationship. In the Bible, a lot of people, they encounter Jesus and they are transformed by him. And it started this relationship. And relationships, they're all about trust. If you don't have trust with a person, you don't really, I don't, I don't believe you really have a relationship. I believe that trust is the foundation of relationships. And so when I first gave my life back to the Lord, he, I was a shame-wrecked, depression, anxiety, addiction-ridden mess. And and God met me there, which is incredible to me. And it blew me away because I didn't want to go to church. I felt so full of shame and dirtiness. And he said, hey, you know, you got this part of your life. And I want something better for you there. So I want you to give that to me. And it wasn't like I had to follow all the rules all at once. He was working on this one part of my life right then. And I said, all right, God, I'll, I'll trust you with this. And I take a step of faith And I'd start to try to walk that out and I'd fail and fall and try again and again and sometimes it took a while but, but I'd eventually get it and this crazy thing happened. I would have this joy and I'd have this healing and I felt like pieces of me were starting to be put back together. And people would look at me and it was the weirdest thing. You ever had somebody come up to me like, wow, you're so amazing. Like they'd come up to me like, you're Jeremy, you're smiling all the time. And I was like, thanks. Uh, that's awkward but, Thank you. You know, they, they talk about my laugh, how, and it was such a stark difference over the course of these years that I became almost like a different person. People who knew me before were like, you are not the same person that you used to be. And it's because I had began this trust relationship with Jesus where I began, He'd give me something to do and I'd take a step of faith. And I'd take a time to get through it, and sometimes I'm, I'm a, I'm a stubborn learner, but over time, He transformed my heart and my
1: life. Since I gave my life to the Lord, uh, I've tried my best to follow Him and be obedient to what He's called me to, but I haven't always gotten it right, and there have been times I've gotten it very wrong, or I said the wrong thing, or I've done the wrong thing, or I messed up again, or I lost my patience and yelled at the kids again. Um, There's actually a time before I met Jeremy, and I was getting ready to move back to Colorado. I did an internship there, and... um, It was all paid for. I was waiting for two months to go back for training, and God told me to stay in Omaha. And at the time, I did not like Omaha at all, and so I threw a little temper tantrum. Uh, I did stay because I wanted to be obedient, but I also let him know I was very upset about it. And even though I had a bad attitude and I got mad at him, and even though I fail and lose my patience and everything, he never leaves me. And it, it didn't scare him when I got mad and had my little temper tantrum. And he didn't get exasperated when I failed again. Uh, he kept walking with me through life and through those um, bad moments. <laughs> and he kept encouraging me onward. And because of what I had gone through with him, I trusted him to know what was best, even if it wasn't what I really liked at the moment. Um, But sometimes we try to get ahead of God and His timeline. Uh, We were newly married in Omaha, and we wanted to change things up, and we decided there's nothing keeping us in Omaha, so why should we stay? We're going to leave and go to Seattle.
2: You might notice this is a pattern in our lives, trying to get away from Omaha.
1: It was really... We were really excited about it. We were looking at schools for Him. We were looking at apartments. And then we decided we're going to pray about this. And so we prayed, God we're going to do this. We're going to move to Seattle. And God responded with a, wait, what? What is it you're doing? Um, I put you in Omaha for a reason. I planted you at Good News Church for a reason. And your time isn't done yet. So I think you should stay in Omaha. And so we did. We decided to stay in Omaha. Um, It was more important for us to follow Jesus. And it was wiser than doing what we wanted to ourselves. And we're really thankful that we did because six months after that, uh, God started us off on our missionary journey.
2: And I, I don't think we would be here today if we had stepped outside of that. If we would said that we want to go, so we're just going anyways. I, I believe that God used that in a tremendous way to, to step us forward in a way that we wouldn't have been able to.
1: And that brings us to our second point, which is following Jesus is going to look different than you expect. Uh, I was a massage therapist for several years uh, before I gave my life to Christ and after. And But I had a certain expectation of what my life was going to look like. I expected that I was going to get married and have kids and live close to my family, raise my kids close to their cousin like I grew up. And when Jesus called me to missions, that... Completely changed everything. I did not have a box or an understanding or anything. No idea of what a life as a missionary was going to look like. And even though it's completely different than I thought it was going to be, it's been amazing.
2: It's been constantly different than we expected, almost from day one. It's been about ten years that we've been on this journey, and it's just completely different. And I guess that's one of those things about a relationship, is that if you're in a relationship with somebody... Rather than following an idea or a list of rules, the person you're following doesn't always do what you want to do, right? In fact, in this relationship, it's not that we're on leveled around. We're following Jesus, who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right? And he doesn't always do what we want him to do. And if you look at Peter in the Gospels, we see this happen to him as well. Um, if you want to follow me, you're going to Mark chapter 8. <clears throat> Mark chapter 8, verse 29. And, and Peter, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's saying, hey, who do you think I am? In, or how do, what do people say about me? And they're like, oh, maybe John the Baptist or Elijah. And he says in verse 29, Mark 8:29 says, and he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. Like, good job, Peter. You got it right. You got the right answer. And it says he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. But then something happens that Peter didn't really like. Jesus starts telling the disciples, "Hey, there's going to be suffering and persecution, and I'm going to die." And Peter's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's no, no, that's not the plan." He takes it upon himself to start rebuking Jesus, right? Say, "Jesus, no, no, this isn't this isn't the idea. We're going to overthrow the Romans, right? That's that's probably what Peter had in his mind or his heart. Peter's idea of what it was going to look like to follow Jesus." didn't match up with what Jesus wanted for him. Jesus wanted something bigger, something better. And, and look here what it says in 33. It says, But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, follow me It won't look like you want it to look. It's going to look different, but it's going to be worth it. Tim Keller, he's a prominent pastor, theologian in New York City. He says he said this and I love it. He says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Say that one more time. If your God doesn't disagree with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. And isn't that true? Like, I know me, I'm kind of a headstrong type. And I'm like 30 yards down the road with an idea that I've got between my teeth. And then I'm like looking up like, God, where are you? And usually he's back, you know, 30 yards behind me with my wife. You know, she's the the smart one. I should listen to her better. We have this saying in Christianity, we're going to give our lives to Christ. And I love this saying because of what it means, but sometimes I think we miss it. So we're giving authority of our lives to a real person. We're saying, God, you get to tell me what to do, and I'll trust you with it. And the good news is that He's good. He's good. Kids, let me tell you something. The world is going to tell you on repeat, over and over and over and over, that you are missing out. I was a pastor's kid, and by the time I was in high school, I felt like I was so far behind all of my mates, all of my classmates, all of my friends. When I when I joined the Air Force, the constant refrain was, "Oh, you didn't watch this show, you didn't listen to this music?" Let me tell you what. You're not missing out. You have the answers to everything in this world that matters. God is good and he's worth following. But it's not always easy, it's not always comfortable. I'm sure some of us have stepped out in faith to follow Jesus and said, "Hey, this wasn't this what I thought I signed up for, right?
1: Uh, many of us like to have our one year, five year, or ten year plans in place. I did. And sometimes we expect Jesus to just go along with our plans. Uh, but more often, he doesn't. Instead, he'll say things like, I have something better for you. It doesn't look like your plan, but will you follow my directions instead? It might be bumpy, or it will be bumpy. I won't show you the end, but I'm going to give you each next step when you're ready for it, and I promise I'm going to stay with you through it all. Will you trust me and keep following me? Um, And sometimes we expect life to magically become a smooth, straight path to heaven when we're following Jesus. We expect all of our bad habits to work themselves out and go away overnight, uh, to become saints with endless patience towards our kids and never yell again. Uh, to become uh, full of never-ending grace for our spouse overnight. Um, that did not happen for me. Uh, and sometimes we expect to just keep doing life the way that we've been doing it and Jesus just to be the icing on top. But that's not how it works because we're the ones who are following Jesus. It's not the other way around. And we need to choose to be imitators of Christ and understand that He's not, and you should not have to conform to what we expect or want.
2: And that leads us to our third point. So the first point is following Jesus is about relationship rather than rules. The second one is that following Jesus is not going to look like you think it will. And The last one is that following Jesus is hard, frightening, and uncomfortable. I know it's a real upbeat today, right? But here's the deal. It's so worth it. In fact, I would say it is the best thing that there is on this earth.
1: When we were getting ready to go to Africa, we were doing some training, and one of our sessions was about what missions really looked like. Uh, It was called Taking Off the Rose Colored Romantic Glasses. Uh, There was a panel of missionaries, some who had been in the field for five years, some who had been in the field for 20 years, some more than that. And they were sharing their experiences with us. Uh, They were telling us what missions was really like, and they were not holding back. Um, They were very vulnerable and open. Uh, about the hardships and the realities of being missionary, such as being lonely a lot and how hard it is not to achieve those milestones in life that people get to, like buying a house, how their kids miss and miss out on having close relationships with their grandparents and their aunts and uncles and their cousins. And sometimes they're living in a country where it's not okay to have any kind of pets. How you sell everything to follow this call of God. And when you get there, it feels like you're not making any kind of difference. How you give up on your dreams that you've had since you were a child and you don't know if they're ever going to be realized. How you miss birthdays and graduations and weddings and babies and deaths of loved ones. And I don't think any of our eyes were dry at the end of that session. Um, but at the same time, when each of them was asked if all the pain and the difficulties, the unmet expectations, if it was worth it, all of them answered yes without hesitation. Um, because it's in those hardships and those painful moments that we get to know Jesus in a way that we wouldn't before. It was worth it because Jesus is worth it. He's worth our praise, whether we're having a good day or a bad day, or a good year or a bad year. Uh, and he deserves the praise of not just us, but every nation and tribe and tongue around the world. Um, when things were hard, that's when we had an incredible opportunity to get closer to him and get to see a new facet of his character. Um, we were in Africa, and Africa's hot, and we would run out of water frequently, And it would be dry season, so there wasn't any rain coming. And our cistern would dry up. And our water barrels would be almost empty. And it wasn't just us. It was the whole town. And all the little shops were running out of bottled water. And I was frustrated because why is this so hard? Like, we are following God. We are doing what He wanted us to do. So why was it so difficult and painful? And sometimes I would just lay in the hammock and I would cry because my... Little ones were full of heat rash and uncomfortable, and I didn't know what was going to happen next. And I would cry and I would pray. And this happened over and over that God, that day or the next, would send just a downpour of rain, um, even in the dry season. And it was enough, he was not just a trickle, he would send enough water for us to fill our cistern, which we had to bucket from the spout on the roof, and we would fill our neighbor's water barrels. And the kids would get to go out and play in the, in the rain and cool off a little bit. And I didn't even get to wash my clothes. <laughs> and that happened over and over again. And I, I know that for me, I came to trust him in a way that I didn't even fathom growing up here in America.
2: You know, it, we were trying to be honest with how it's been sometimes. And I think because there's a reality that sometimes Jesus calls us to do something and we don't want to. Right? And when when you have that in your heart, I think it's important that we look at the reasons why. Because a lot of times what we're doing is saying, Ah, I don't know if I want to give up on this thing, this comfort or this safety that I have. It's like, God, I think I'm doing a better job with this than you're going to do. And let me tell you what, God has a better plan for you than you have for yourself. God has a better plan for your life than you have. God has more joy in store for you, even despite the hardships following him than you have for yourself. Sometimes, though, it's not just that we're holding on to comfort or control, but sometimes I think we don't think we can. Sometimes we think God's calling us to a place and we're like, God, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong guy. I just, I can't do that. Like for us, both of us at separate points in our life, before we met each other, said, God, I will never speak in public. Never. I used to give briefings in the Air Force and I'd be like, Doing this. And I just shoot through my memorized lines. And I said, God, I'll never do that. But God spoke a word to me. And uh, it's through, it through this pastor. His name is Scott Sauls. He's an author and a pastor. And he says this. He says, you are not called to be amazing. You're not. You're not called to be amazing. You are called to be faithful and to be obedient. God is amazing. And he can take care of the amazing by himself without you, but he invites you in. He invites you to join him. And when you do, it opens up this opportunity for him to do incredible things that he couldn't do without you there. After Jesus rebuked Peter in Mark 8, and he called him Satan, you you think Peter would have gotten it, but he didn't get it. He's kind of like me. He's kind of hard-headed. And he went on, as you know, to deny Jesus three times. As, as Jesus was, taking, was being taken to be crucified, and can you imagine how he felt? I mean, Peter has this opportunity that only 12 guys in the entire history of the universe had, which is to be one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. And he spent three years with Jesus closely. And he had this opportunity, and in Jesus' moment of what he probably thought was this moment of greatest need. Peter turned his back on him. And I can't imagine that he probably felt so horrible. What we do know is that he went back fishing. He went back to doing what he knew. We pick this up in John 21. Peter was fishing when Jesus found him. Jesus came back from the dead and he sought Peter out. It says in John 21, verse 15, it says this. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Do you remember earlier Jesus said, if you love me, then you'll obey me, right? You'll, you'll follow me. And he asked him, hey, do you love me? He says, yes, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And then get this. We're in verse 18 and 19. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you. Where you do not want to go. Jesus was telling him, hey, follow me, but it won't look like you want it to look like. And it won't be easy. But it's going to be worth it. And in 19, he says, this he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Jesus has called each one of us in this room to follow him. Each one of us, as we're following him, there are things on this path that we're following him. And he's, he's saying, hey, give me this part of your life. You know, I, I need you to speak to this person. I love it what the youth said. They said, hey, I want to be a better classmate to my classmates. I want to be a better brother to my brothers. I wish I'd been a better brother to my brother who passed away. Jesus, he, he, he leads us on this journey. And it's not easy and it doesn't look like we think it will. But can I tell you what? It'll be so worth it. As Moses said, we've come to know God in ways that we never would have before. As a provider, when we were completely penniless and stranded in Africa with no money, we never lacked for a single thing. When we felt so lonely, so isolated, like there's, there's nobody who understands even my language, we met God in a way that we never would have before, in a way that you don't get to unless you go and be in a situation like that where you don't have everybody else around you. God will meet you in that situation. So we're going to close here in just a moment. Um, I want us to close in prayer. Um, But before we do, I'd like to give us just space to pause for a minute. We we do a lot of talking about ourselves and our journey and what we've been doing. Um, But I want to just give the Holy Spirit a moment, an opportunity to speak to our hearts. And I just want to ask you a few questions. So can I ask you, where are you at? In your walk with Christ. Where's that relationship at? You know, relationships, sometimes they're, they have their highs and sometimes they have their lows. And sometimes if you're like me or like Melissa, either, you know, for me it was about the box. Or for Melissa, it was, she was going to church for her friends or her family. You know, I think each of us probably have been in that place before. Where are you at this morning with your relationship? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Or are you following him? Are you doing the things that he's called you to do? And if you said no, I want to tell you it's not too late. It's not too late. If it wasn't too late for Peter, it's not too late for you. No matter what he's called you, if you don't think you can do what Jesus has called you to, let me tell you what: with Christ's help, with God's help, if you take that step, and you will find you are able to do it. It's not too late. And the last thing I want to say is this. We've been through some tough seasons, and some seasons we felt like, God, we're following you, and we just feel like we're blindfolded and amazed, we keep on running into dead ends, and God, where are you? We're trying to be faithful, and we feel tired and discouraged, and I want God give me this word, and I love it. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, in Psalms 56, verse 8. It says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. God sees you, He sees what you 're going through he doesn 't not a single drop is missed. He sees everything, and he 's there for you. so, if you would buy your heads and buy your hearts with me this morning let 's pray, heavenly Father, Lord, God, we thank you so much, Lord, that you pursue us. We thank you, Father, that you have come after us, Lord God, and you you transform our hearts and our lives, Lord, and as the Bible says, you then shine through us, Lord. Lord, I pray for each and every person in this room, Lord, as they go forth from here, that they would feel your spirit with them, Lord, empowered, Lord God, to, to do the things that you have called them to do, Lord God, to step out in faith, to speak to their neighbors or their brothers or their classmates, Lord God. Lord, I pray for those with calls on their lives to do things that are scary that they don't know how to do, Lord. I pray that you be with them every step of the way, that you would give them that supernatural That supernatural grace, Lord God, to go after you, to make a difference among those people, Lord God, who have not heard or who need you, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the work you've done in our lives. and we praise your name for it this morning. Amen.
0: Uh, So to conclude service, typically at this time I ask the missionaries to come up, uh, so if you guys will come up with your family and stand right here in the middle, we like to pray pray over you guys. But this morning I want to do something else as well, and I want to ask, because we heard some high school students... Who felt a call of God or the power of God God encouraging them for what was coming So if our high school students Can come up here and stand next to this family The ones who went to camp That would be great High school, junior high, whatever you are If you felt like God was putting a challenge on your heart To reach your school uh, If you mean what you said earlier That's what I'm talking about That's awesome And then um, I'm going to ask you guys all to take two steps forward. We're playing the hokey pokey. Um, And I'm going to ask the church body to come up and, and lay our hands on these young people in this family for the plans and purposes that God has. And if you were too shy to come up, some people can lay their hands on you where you're at as well. There's room in the back. There's always room in the back. So you want to stretch your hands, we're going to pray. Father, we thank you for relationship. God, we thank you that we can follow... You. For the settles for our, for our students, God, for, for those who've heard and have spoken about following you, God, I pray that you would go before us. I pray that you would come behind us. God, I pray for the very will of God to be accomplished that you've set before us. For our students, God, I pray that you would seal the work that you accomplished this week in their lives. That this wouldn't be a moment, but it would be a lifetime, God. That it wouldn't be an incident, but it would be a transformation that helps them as they move forward, God, in relationship with you. God, for the settles, I, I pray for every need they might have. I ask that you would meet them, that you would reach them, that you would touch them, and you would take care of them. God, I pray that you are preparing your place for them there in Japan. God, the work and the lives of the people they will touch. God, I pray for the ones who will know through their lives. Holy Spirit, that you would begin to, to prepare the ground. God, that the seeds they sow would go deep. That the harvest that they reap would be innumerable because of the kingdom principles that you've laid before us. God, we thank you for their lives and their obedience. We pray for their kids. We ask that you would bless them. You would give them the friendships that they have need of, God. You would preserve their hearts. And, and Lord, that, that they would be a partner. They would be used by you as well. God, we thank you this day for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you, may he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace, and may you follow him. Amen? Be blessed.